As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hi, everybody. It's Denise Hanitka, and this is On a Mother Level, and I'm so glad you're back for another episode. In the last couple of episodes, I talked with an ICU nurse, Michelle. And if you remember, she said that she wished more people who had COVID-19 decided to talk about their experience. It provides what she thinks is the other side of the coin for people to understand what this virus is and why the guidelines are so important. And so... That is what the episode is today. You are going to hear from a family in the Quad Cities. You will hear from Colby and Doug DeBlay. And they are the parents of two and their entire family. Themselves, their two daughters, and Colby's mother all had COVID-19. And Doug got very sick. Doug was in the hospital for a while. And it wasn't until he went to the hospital that the family realized the importance of a treatment using convalescent plasma. Basically, it's the antibodies of somebody who has recovered from a virus are injected into the patient who needs it. So you're sharing your antibodies, helping the body get stronger to fight off COVID-19. And so today you're going to hear Doug make his plea and his promise He is going to donate plasma as soon as he's healthy enough to do so. And he's asking that you do the same because the way that these donations work, first of all, you have to have a match. So if you're in the need for plasma, same like blood, you have to have the right match to be able to receive that treatment donation. Secondly... There's a shortage in our area right now, and presumably across the country, especially as cases spike. And thirdly, what happens is when you make a donation, the blood center holds on to that plasma. So then when a hospital orders the plasma, it's sent directly to the hospital in response to the order. So sort of like when you order fries, they make you the fries, and then they give you the fries. They're not sitting under the warmer for a while. It's the same kind of concept. So it's really important that these hospitals are able to get it when they place that order, that it's sitting somewhere in a blood bank ready to come to you. The other thing that's interesting about convalescent plasma is that, let's say I have COVID-19. I recover from it. I wait the 28 days past the symptoms um, subsiding, and I go to make my donation. Well, they have to figure out if my antibodies are strong enough to be able to be passed on to somebody because it doesn't help if your antibodies are at a level that's too low to make a difference. So one person could go in, donate, have great antibodies, come again to donate, and this time their antibodies are too low. Well, for other people, they can donate 10, 12, 14 times and their antibodies are still high enough. So what I'm trying to say is this donor pool continually needs to be refreshed because 
at some point, you may not be able to continue donating, not like blood where you have this endless supply where you can keep giving. So that's why it's so important for you to, if you've recovered from COVID-19, to make sure you have the antibodies, get the antibody test, and go in and make your blood donation. And as far as I know, I've seen a few Instagram posts recently that there are some pretty decent incentives right now for donors. I saw some gift card giveaways. I've seen some free t-shirt offerings. I love a free t-shirt. So a little incentive besides, oh, I don't know, saving a life (laughs) for you to go and donate plasma. The other thing is that so, so many of us were never able to get tested, especially at the beginning of this thing. So there's a chance that there's people out there who never got tested, who do have the antibodies and can donate. And perhaps they don't know that they can donate. So that's the purpose of this interview today. So you can hear about what a family went through. This all happened in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. This is when the surge was really bad. This is when Michelle, the ICU nurse, was talking to you about the stress and the strain of working in these COVID units. And this DeBlay family was just hoping to get Doug home for his birthday and for Thanksgiving. So they're going to tell their story. They're going to talk about what it was like to watch him fight through it. And at times during this interview, Doug will cough a little bit. He is still on oxygen and he is doing really well in his recovery. But slow and steady is what the family's been told. Sometimes COVID hits you and it doesn't go away. You know, just like a cold sometimes disappears and you feel much better very quickly. So the COVID-19 story from the DeBlaze is coming up right now. We begin by saying hello and how are you to Doug? I'm doing better. Yes. Good. Much good. It's been a long three weeks, but uh, I'm getting there. Still on oxygen, but, you know, they said it's going to take a while for the lungs to recover. Okay. Well, I'm very impressed with how festive our backgrounds are. (laughs) Thank you. This is our forest of trees in our dining room. And I love yours. Very nice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we just uh, worked on it last night with the kids. And this was my first year of really learning to, like, let go Yes. Let yes. them put some things on there, even though it makes me cringe the whole time. <laughs> I understand. We have two daughters as well. It looks great. <laughs> well, thanks. Yes. I'm hoping um, that our conversation will be a good message to people about the importance of donating this plasma, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping uh, that we can really get that message out there and, and share your experiences. So first and foremost, I guess I want to just start at the beginning. You know, how did this all start? When did you get sick? Um, so Doug and I both started showing symptoms on November 10th. Um, and then on November 11th, we both went together and tested at Unity Point Betplex and found out on November 12th that we tested positive. Right from the get-go, though, I felt like the doctor at Unity Point was a little bit more concerned about Doug. He had a slight fever. His heart rate was up a little bit. It was like 123. And just said, you know, make sure you keep an eye on things. Um, And Doug just kind of slowly but surely was spiraling. You know, he had a fever he couldn't break, um, aches, just lots of symptoms that he just felt miserable. (laughs) And then on, um, on November 17th, he woke up feeling short of breath. He said he had had... Um, bad dreams of not being able to breathe and just was really concerned about it. Um, so we called, he called Unity Point Betplex where we had tested and they said, come on in. <clears throat> they have x-ray machine and they did give him an x-ray and found out he had pneumonia. 
and they gave him steroids and inhaler and antibiotic and sent him home. And we took, you know, he took the meds and then woke up the next day and just conditions had worsened. It was a lot worse for him. So we called the ER Unity Point and, and I'm not Unity Point, I'm sorry, Unity Hospital. Yeah, I guess Unity Point Hospital, yeah. my, stuff, my bad. And met North and Doug, wanted, you know, you hear horror stories about not having beds available. And Doug said, I think I'm going to be staying. I want to make sure there's a bed. So we called the ER and they said, well, there were beds this morning. I'm not sure now, but if you're having symptoms, you need to be checked out. Come in. We will take care of you. So then I drove Doug to the ER and just dropped him off because you can't have visitors right now. So that was a very sickening feeling. Um, and so Doug was admitted um, November 18th to the step-down unit. We found out later. And so step-down is between kind of the regular medical surgical floor and ICU. Um, so if he needed to, so it's like step-down from ICU. So if he needed if it was more critical, then he was a lot closer, I guess, to the ICU unit. On November 19th, the next day, the doctor, um, infectious disease doctor, her name is Dr. Carr. He, she, I'm sorry, she ordered con the convalescent plasma for Doug, but he had to be put on a waiting list because there's a shortage. In the meantime, we have fam Doug is one of eight siblings, so he's a big, one of eight kids, so he has a lot of siblings, seven siblings, and one of his nieces recently had COVID and had antibodies and is the same plasma or has same exact blood type. So it'll be a plasma match for Doug. And we tried to reach out and the doctor had said, you might be able to do a direct donation. So we reached out to the Mississippi Valley Regional Blood Center. And it was, there was just, I think, some confusion with it, ended up not being able to do that. And we found out that the hospital gets their plasma from the Mississippi Valley Regional Blood Center. Um, but we were trying to do whatever we could to make sure he could get that plasma as soon as possible because they said it could be up to a two-day wait. And we had just had heard um, that this was an important thing. When, when I talked to one of the <laughs> night nurses for Doug, um, it's hard to be, side note, and, uh, like an advocate for your husband at home. You try and call and catch up on things, but you miss out on so much, you know. Um, <clears throat> but one of the night nurses, when I was talking to her, and she said there's an order in for plasma. It could be up to two days wait. And I said, tell me, is this like, I, I didn't know much about it. Honestly, before, you know, Doug was in the hospital and then you learn everything super fast. And I said, is this a game changer plasma for patients? And she said, it's absolutely a game changer. He needs this plasma. And many patients report within that day, they start to feel better. Um, so Doug, then the do doctor ordered it on the 19th. On the 20th, he did receive his first dose. It was a little bit later in the afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. And I mentioned that to Doug. I remember him saying, I'm not feeling like, you know, I, I think he was kind of hoping that I'm like, I'm going to miraculously be tons better. Uh, but the next morning, that same night shift nurse who is amazing, she spent like 21 minutes with me on the phone one day, 36 minutes another day after, after, after a 12 hour night shift. I mean, gosh, they were amazing. The, the worker, healthcare workers were amazing to Doug and to me. Um, but she said the next morning, so he received it in the afternoon on the 20th, on the 21st, uh, the doctor said that morning that his lungs sounded better. Doug reported to me that he wasn't as winded going to the bathroom because a, a big thing like going to the bathroom is simple to us, right? It gets him super tired out and super winded. It's a big, a big deal for a COVID patient who has pneumonia. Um, and that same night shift nurse reported that he looked like he had more affect, more energy. He smiled. And she said so many COVID patients are so, so sick that they're just they're, they just are so sick. They're tired out and they're, you know, they're, you're not seeing that kind of energy, something as simple as a smile. Um, and so she said he had a lot more energy that morning and she was coming back in that night. They're working so much, these nurses. 
And she said she was excited and optimistic about how his day was going to go and what he would be like that night. So, and I think Doug um, kind of reported at first, like, I don't think there's lots of changes, but then just talking to him, he would kind of have a little bit more of a, you know, he would, he would joke a little bit or be able to talk longer without being winded because at first he didn't even, couldn't talk on the phone because it made him so tired and used so much energy. And it just, you know, hurt in my chest because of the pneumonia, you know, just to take a deep breath was a struggle. And, I, you know, to have a conversation with anyone was next to impossible. I mean, I could get out a few words at a time, but I had had to stop and just start Know, trying to catch my breath and you know just feel worn out from a conversation mm -hmm. and and up until that point though Doug's symptoms were getting were worsening every day I forgot to mention you know November 17th when he went to the doctor they noticed pneumonia in his lungs I said a little bit right and you know just said kind of mild or a little bit of pneumonia yeah from the initial from the first one on Tuesday, and then Wednesday they did another X-ray in the ER, and the, his pneumonia had gotten worse in twenty less than or twenty-four hours, and that was even with the medicine that they had sent home, two doses of all the meds that they had. So he, you know, was just getting worse and worse from the day his symptoms started to up until this point. So I think that twenty-first was really kind of the first day that things were starting to get a little, and maybe the day before they were with all the other meds he was on because he was on the remdesivir. Um, steroid um, as well in the hospital um, but that was really kind of the first day like I said there was little these little slight changes we're learning that COVID is slow and steady um, to getting to full recovery for sure um, let me stop you right there Colby I want to get a few more details just on some of the things you've been talking about so um, you were both diagnosed at the same time you both tested positive at the same time um, so so you said that, you know, Doug seemed to be more serious right away. How sick were you? Um, I, I, I would say more on the mild end of COVID, but it wasn't pleasant at all, um, for sure. Um, I lost my sense of taste and smell, super fatigued. Um, we both had stomach issues, diarrhea, um, a headache, a headache that was very different than any other kind of normal headache. Um, my eyes felt super heavy all the time. Um, I, did, I had a slight fever chills, trying to think. Um, and so, and it just lasted for a very long time. And our oldest daughter had it too. And our youngest daughter had, if she did, very minor symptoms. Um, and my mom comes and helps with our daughters. And she came that Tuesday, that day we started having symptoms. And sure enough, four days later, she was, she started having symptoms. And so knowing that your whole family has it and seeing Doug spiral downhill so quickly, I mean, I really feel like we've been living, you know, the COVID nightmare. I know there are lots of other severe cases, but it was, it was very difficult. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to take care of a family and run a household, you know, on an average day, but yeah, I mean, to see your kids get sick, you're getting sick and now your husband's very sick. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine how frightening this must have all been. Yeah, very frightening. Very frightening. And and just the aspect of having to advocate for him as you're sick. Your girls are yes. sick. Yes, absolutely. And not being able to, you know, be there. Um, and see, we started getting to the point where we would, he would FaceTime me when doctors happen to be in there, nurses, and I would say, just keep, I don't need to see them. I just want to hear what's going on. And I wish we were able to do that sooner. But then Doug said, sometimes the doctor just came in so quickly. It just 
all happened so fast. Probably maybe I'm assuming it's all the Facebook posts that I had made. And at first we, you know, weren't posting anything. And then when Doug, after he received that first treatment, I said, I just feel like this is important to share. Like, are you okay with me posting this and we can make it public? And, and so one of the pictures on it is actually a picture Doug received in the hospital from the doctor when we were trying to advocate, advocate for his niece to possibly donate, um, uh, but just to get the word out because I was just so surprised and had no idea how important this convalescent plasma is. Yeah, it's one of those things that we've tossed around, you know, on our newscasts and tried to bring it up. But but it's like until you experience the need for it and suddenly here there's a waiting list, it's like, wait, what? Yes, yes, absolutely. Doug, the other thing that kind of stands out to me that Colby said is that not only, you know, were you very sick, but you were having bad dreams about not being able to breathe. How scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am claustrophobic to begin with. And just that feeling of, you know, trying to catch your breath just to keep going. It just is a scary thing. Before I uh, told Colby I need to go to the hospital, I was just struggling. And yeah. I, I almost felt like I waited too long to go in. I, I was thinking, man. I don't get in there now. This could go really bad. With all due respect to men, I mean, if if a man is saying, I've got to go to the hospital, now it's serious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you're anything like my husband, he's not going to the hospital for anything. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, know, you, you just don't know what the right thing to do is. Yeah. You, know, you don't know. I, I mean, I didn't even know I had pneumonia until, you know, that, what, the day before mm-hmm. we went in. And I mm-hmm. just... You know, I didn't know what it was that was causing me to lose my breath, but, you know, all that combined and me, you know, lose my breath, I was just like, man, I got to get in now. Absolutely right now. Uh, it, it really scared me. How do you describe those first couple of days in the hospital, you know, as you're waiting for this plasma match to come through? You know, you're alone and, uh, you know, the healthcare workers, I'm sure, are all in the, the gear. You must have thought you were in a sci-fi movie. I didn't seem that way, but I actually felt really good being in there because I knew they were there to help me. Um, they were awesome. I mean, they really took great care of me at Unity Point, and, I, you know, I got nothing bad to say about them. Um, they were always in there explaining things to me, telling me what was going on, what they needed to do. You know, they, they knew that it was going to be a little bit for me to get the plasma. But, you know, as soon as they could, they got it to me. When I was in there, I, I felt good. Yes, it was scary. I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I felt comfortable there. Yeah. You at least were in the right place to get the care you needed. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Another thing um, that's really common with COVID patients that we didn't know is, I forgot the actual name of it, something cardio where your heart rate jumps up super high in the ER, Doug's heart rate went up to 181, which um, was, yeah, super, super high. And they came running in and he said his heart, you said, you can describe how it felt. Oh yeah. I felt like I was going to pass out. I mean, it was racing so fast. I started sweating, you know, I'm sure I was pale, uh, but they all rushed in and, you know, checked me out. They were worried I was going into cardiac and and they said it's common for that to, uh, uh, to happen to COVID people, uh, it just starts racing. And it only did it for like 30 seconds, but they ended up putting an EKG on me and, you know, just making sure that it didn't happen again. You know, it was pretty normal, I guess, for that to happen to COVID patients. 
so many things that go along with it. It's just, yeah. it's terrible. One thing we, we did, I just woke up the next morning, you know, uh, when Doug was admitted on the 18th thinking, what can I do? What can I do to just show Doug that, you know, have a visual for him that he's not alone and that we're thinking of him and we're always right there. Um, so I called the nurse and I asked if there were any restrictions on food or balloons or flowers and she said no. So we called up my friends and family and said, hey, if you guys, you'd, um, uh, call Hy-Vee, have him deliver some balloons or flowers or some snacks to Doug and kind of showered him with some love that, that lasted throughout the time he was in there. Hopefully it's just a nice visual for him to see, you know, that we love him and want to be there with him. And it was awesome. There was probably six or seven deliveries that day that came in and all the nurses were loving. I mean, there's flowers and balloons everywhere. They're like, oh my gosh, what yeah. really be like? And a special delivery to the nurses for taking care of my man. We did that too. I take care of those healthcare workers. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's very kind. Just talking to an ICU nurse last week and hearing from their side of things, she had so much to say just about the level of stress that they're under. And she she just thought it was so important that people who have been on your side of the bed, Doug, to talk about this. You know, it's people need to know what this experience has been like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, you know, I, I told Colby as soon as I can, I am going to donate plasma just to, you know, help people out. Cause yeah, it didn't, I don't think affect me like immediately, but you know, I'm laying there expecting, you know, this plasma is going to be a, you know, night and day difference. Well, it took a couple of days and it, it will, you know, I had two rounds of it and I, I think, that absolutely helped. So the second round came just a couple days before Thanksgiving, right? I think you posted on the 23rd? Yes. Yep. The doctor had ordered it on the 22nd, but there still was a shortage. Um, and in that meantime, that day, Doug was moved up on the 22nd to the med surge floor um, so they could use his room for more critical patients. And he said to me, like on a FaceTime, I'm like, critical patients? That means you are a critical patient? And that's when I learned, I had no idea that he was in that step down unit or step down floor and then just kind of been talking to the, when I first talked to the nurse, I said, is this like a COVID unit? And she was like, yeah, COVID, you know, unit. And I just, I had, you know, of course we knew Doug was super sick, but that, that hit me. And then that was very exciting to know that he was moving up to a med surge, um, just kind of, I don't want to say regular floor, but a, a, another spot. Um, yes. Then he did receive it on the 23rd. I, I don't know exactly what time I feel like it was in the afternoon. And then that day, he was still receiving five milliliters of oxygen. Um, he teetered between four and five uh, milliliters of oxygen. And then the next morning on the 24th, the day he came home, he was down to two milliliters. Um, so I feel like that was a, I mean, I'm not a healthcare worker, but I feel like that was a big change because the whole, the whole time he was at four or five and then to go down two and then to go home that day. I mean, it just was shocking and amazing. So you went home the same day as getting that second dose? Probably the next day. So he had the plasma on the 23rd. Um, and then, yeah. And then that night he was still at five milliliters. And the next morning on the 24th is when they bumped him down to two milliliters. Okay. And ended up going home that night. Did you know that you were that close to being able to go home? Uh, doctors had mentioned it. They said, you know, hopefully we can get you home by Thanksgiving. There was a couple different doctors that would come in and visit. And, you know, one would say one thing and the other would say another day. And so, you know, it, 
I didn't know. I just wanted to be home by Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving, you know, felt like such a crucial time because everyone was really making decisions for their own families about how they were going to celebrate and what they were going to do. We're in the middle of this surge in the Quad Cities. Our hospitals are full. And you guys were in the middle of this fight hoping to bring Doug home. Describe that for me. Yeah, it was huge. And to add to it, Doug's birthday is the 25th of November, so the day before Thanksgiving. And honestly, at that point, when we found out the hope and the goal was, when we first, Doug was the first admitted, it was, how long is he going to be in the hospital? Everyone is so different, maybe a few days, you know, and then, um, and then it just kind of kept getting further out. And Doug said he had heard he would hope be home, to be home by Thanksgiving. And, and I said, you know what, that would be a great goal. But the ultimate goal is to get you better. And we can celebrate Thanksgiving anytime. But the you know most thankful part is getting you healthier, getting you home. Um, and so when we're, so I, I honest, I was hopeful, but not um, getting my hopes up too much for it. And so it just was, it was amazing that he was able to come home, not only for Thanksgiving, but for his birthday too. It's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Yeah, was there something that you wanted to eat or a certain way that you wanted to celebrate your birthday after all you'd been through? I, I was waiting for turkey day. I, I'm a turkey guy. So had all the fixings, had the good stuffing, you know, I, I was happy. Yes, we had we had a family member that knew what we were going through and uh, gave us a whole high V Thanksgiving meal. I mean, that was just unbelievable. It was yeah. a wonderful surprise. We found out, you know through everything that people are so good and caring and have been a true blessing to us and, and as well as the healthcare workers. So many good people in this world. At this point, what does your recovery look like? So you're currently still on oxygen. How long do you think that will have to be? Well, at least another two weeks. Uh, I have another doctor's appointment on the 14th and they'll reevaluate at that time. They thought maybe be another couple weeks after that be on oxygen, they'll play it by ear. Really, I feel good. It's just getting up and doing things and I start having to breathe heavier, that's where I get winded. You know, even talking like this, it's still difficult at times if I talk a lot. So I, I gotta take a break and it makes me want to cough a little bit too. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I feel so much better than what I did. Scale of one to 10, you know, when you think about feeling your best before all this, where do you think you're at? Right now, I'm, I'm probably a seven, eight. I want to do more than what the doctors want me to do. <laughs> I wanted to make some, some food, but, you know, the doctor said, sit back, be spoiled, let your wife take care of you, you know, take advantage of this and just rest. So, Would you describe yourself as a pretty active guy normally? Oh, yeah. I love being in the kitchen. So, you know, I like doing all that kind of stuff. I like being outside. Uh, it's been rough not being able to go outside. You know, my wife did all the Christmas lights and kids. You know, they did a great job with all the Christmas lights outside. I usually take care of all that stuff. But, uh, you know, this year, everything was done for me. You know, I came home, all the Christmas stuff was up. Beautiful, nice to see. They did a great job. I'll give you a break for a second here, Doug. Colby, if you could tell me just what was your whole family's philosophy on this pandemic throughout, you know, to make it 10 months and everybody's been healthy and um, just how, to, how have you guys been feeling about it up until getting sick? I think I'm probably play it a little bit, maybe more safer than the average, a little bit more safe than the average Joe. Um, we would be the one if we recently in the fall went to maybe a friend's gathering where there was, you know, more than a few couples that I would be wearing a mask. We have two pretty active daughters. We did play softball this summer. Um, we thought that was, you know, fairly safe as an outdoor sport. 
Um, and then this fall, we have one dog that really loves basketball. We did do basketball, but you know, anytime, of course, we wore masks inside the different places that we would go. You know, we tried to play it safe as as much as we could. So, so that was very disheartening, and all that we, of course. Um, had COVID. Do you have any idea like where you might have gotten it or how or? We don't know. Not 100% sure. Everybody's okay though. Your girls, you're doing better. Your mom. Yes, everyone is on the men's. Mom's uh, symptoms are still hanging on a little bit. My oldest daughter still complains of a little congestion. I have maybe a little cough now and then, but it's definitely so much better than it was. What do you think is the biggest misconception that's out there right now about this pandemic or about the COVID experience that maybe you can help yeah, I shed some light on? That some people think COVID is like the flu. And I, I mean, I, I don't exactly, I guess, know what the flu is like for everyone. It can be very terrible as we know and lived and have experienced it. And everyone has such di- different symptoms and it really hangs on for a, a long time. I've said to some people, I don't know if this is the right analogy, metaphors. I feel like kind of sometimes you're just out and about living your life, but you also feel like you're playing a little bit of Russian roulette. Like how, if, if, if you get it, how is it going to affect you? And um, it's just crazy to me how it affects us all so differently. Yeah, that is interesting. And I think we don't necessarily even know how it affects long-term. That information is still being studied right now, which is very interesting. Yes, yes, absolutely. And everyone kind of tells you something a little bit different. And that makes you a little bit nervous when you're, you know, trying to go back to a normal routine. And especially with Doug still on oxygen right now, like I'm very hesitant to want to go out and do things or do too much. At this point, the message is if you've had COVID-19 to go and donate the plasma, that's the most important thing people can do after hearing this conversation. Absolutely. Yes. And so what about people who, um, back when people weren't getting tested and maybe have had it, do they, I mean, do they need to go and get the antibody test first and then see if they're able to is, I'm just wondering if there's a huge section of the population that doesn't know that they can do it. Right. I wonder that as well. And I know that Unity Point gets their plasma from Mississippi Valley Regional Blood Center. So a phone call to them to see if that is something they can do. Can they go to the doctor's office? get tested for antibodies and if they have it then you know go back to the blood center fill out the referral form um, we have a good friend of ours that had uh, COVID back in April and was just recently uh, re- she has antibodies so went to the regional blood center and they have to go through a special kind of antibody study to see if they have enough to hopefully still be able to donate plasma because there's so many antibodies I guess that they need to be able to um, do that and I had read somewhere, and I don't know if this is actual information, that one donation of convalescent plasma will help four patients. So I don't, like I said, I'm not 100% sure if that's accurate, but that is awesome to know how many people you are helping with one donation too. And I know yeah, you can you know, donate more than once. I don't know how often you can donate. Um, I just checked the Mississippi Valley Regional Blood Center website, you know, today, and there still is a shortage. There's a referral form on there you fill out, and I think then they contact you. Um, but I'm hoping, like I said, if they didn't get tested, that they can go get the antibody test and then still help that way. As far as what your doctors have told you, if you had the, had not gotten those doses, do you think you'd be home right now? That's a good question. The pneumonia, pretty bad. I think that me getting the plasma did help tremendously. I might be home by now. You know, or I'm, what, almost four weeks into it, three and a half weeks into it. So I would hope I would have been home by now, but I, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, but it's safe to say it made a huge difference. Yeah, 
absolutely. I don't know if I would have been home by Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I, I know that. Um, I just want to end on something a little lighter. What does Christmas look like in your house? How do you celebrate? Um, well, we usually celebrate with family, you know, a lot of family, but I don't know this year how it will, it will be. Um, we have an elf on the shelf that makes the visits in our house. We make gingerbread houses and cookies, so we're looking forward to being able to do those things. We've already been watching a lot of Christmas movies and sitting and enjoying the lights and I'm just spending a lot of time together. How are you going to look back on this crazy year that is 2020? I think about that all the time. <laughs> I, I know, right? I, on one hand, you, it's just, you, I kind of use the word nightmare comes to mind because of everything that we've been through. And like I said, I know many people have it way worse than we do, but then also remember your blessings and how good uh, people are to you and um, how people really help each other out in times of need. You must be so glad to have Doug home. Your girls yeah. are healthy. Yes. You're ending the year on a positive note. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Even though it looks, I would never imagine, you know, seeing Doug and, he, and here and having an oxygen machine in our house. And But he's here and he, we're enjoying each other. We're spending you know, meals together. And like I said, all this family time. And we're so thankful for that. Uh, my only thing is uh, if uh, have had COVID and you have the antibodies, get out there and donate. Absolutely. I mean, I, it helped me. I'm going to donate as soon as I can. It, it might be a little bit before I can get out and actually do that, but um, as soon as I can, I, I will be there. It's crucial. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And you know what? Another thing to add is if um, when they call to tell you that you're positive, um, I know it's a lot on the healthcare workers who call to tell you or the health department when they're able to make the phone calls. I know Rock Island County is really backed up right now. We didn't get our phone call until 10 days in. Pretty much the day she was like, you're out of quarantine now. And I was like, Really? I feel like I'm still sick. And um, just spreading the word at that point, too, like, hey, you are positive. When 28 days after your symptoms have gone away, you can donate plasma. There's a real need um, that would to help people. And just to be or a pamphlet, maybe at the doctor's office when we were even tested, like, hey, if you show up positive, here's this information that you can do. That would be so important, I feel like. I know it's putting more on healthcare workers and the health department when they're already maxed out, but if there's a way to spread the word, so many comments and um, people have said to me, like, I forgot that I could do that. I didn't know what a game changer it was. I didn't know I could help. And really getting that plasma is dependent upon other, you know, people that, and that's just, to me, is, is so interesting the type of medicine that you're relying on, if medicine is the right word, treatment that depends on people making that difference and truly saving these lives. And it was awesome seeing the post that Colby did about it and so many of our friends that have had it, uh, you know, people she doesn't even know, mm -hmm. but were my friends on Facebook, have gone in and, and donated. It's just, it, it needs to get out there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't even, and this is probably foolish of me, but I didn't even realize that there was a matching situation. Yes, yeah, so I didn't either. So I didn't know if it was just, you've had it, you can donate, but um, for the blood type, Doug is A negative. Um, but for plasma, it's, it's just anyone who's A, they can be A positive or A negative is what the nurse explained it to me. So hopefully, again, I'm saying it correctly, that they would be the match. So like my blood type is A positive, so I could donate to Doug in theory. Um, but I, yeah, I thought that was interesting too. I've learned so mm -hmm. much. And I tried to make sure in my like, Facebook post that it was factual. And I learned some little things along the way about, um, you know, that I changed up there. And side note, Facebook took down my first post about trying to spread the love. They said it was false information that could lead to harming others. And I what? thought, yes. And I was like, 
I had the option to um, say this is like you should not have taken this down and leave a message and I'm like I'm trying to save lives here and they put it back up like that but um, in the middle of the night they had taken it down and in the at first I was like Facebook what a great way to spread message in a positive way this is awesome and then I woke up like the next morning I was like what did Facebook do but it's back up now but I was shocked by that yeah I think some of that is very concerning the um the way that big tech is deciding what we can and cannot see is something that I hope gets addressed on a I large do. level. I Absolutely. do too. I yeah. do too. Well, we, we can't thank you enough for reaching out to us. And yeah. I hope it is just helpful in a way that will help others. Yeah, 100%. I am so happy that you decided to share your story and I wish you continued better health in your recovery. And I hope that you're up and cooking. <laughs> Christmas breakfast. Very oh, soon. yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you once again to the DeBlaze for telling their story. After our interview wrapped, their daughters came on screen and said hello and waved and made a little cameo appearance. So it was great to see that the family is doing so much better. And if you were able to watch the um, newscast story that I did the other day, uh, you'd see the festive little decorations in both of our backgrounds. So it was a really fun conversation, even though we were talking about a pretty difficult period of their lives here in the last month. But it has a happy end because everybody's home and everybody's doing much better. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of On a Mother Level. I am such a podcast junkie. And when I listen to podcasts, at the end, the host is always like, well, you know, this episode was produced and hosted by and, you know, we had this team of 45,000 and blah, blah, blah. I just want to remind you that this is me, okay? These podcast episodes are all me. I host them, I produce them, I edit them, and then I have um, my buddy Jordan Franks do a little once-over to make sure that the audio still sounds good. So for the most part, other than Jordan, it's all me doing this. And the reason that I point that out to you is it just means a lot to me that you listen, Um, because it's just me and because I'm just doing something that I'm passionate about and I'm having conversations that I think are important. And so when you respond and say that you loved the episode um, or that you've shared it with a friend, it means a lot. It feels great to know that there is my podcast family, the On a Mother Levelers out there who enjoy listening, who share the episodes, who tell a friend about them and who can't wait for the next week. So until then... I'm Denise Sanitka. This is On a Mother Level. Please follow on Instagram. It's at On a Mother Level. I'm posting preview clips before the episode's there so you know what to expect. We are cranking them out, so you'll continue to hear from me on this platform, and I appreciate you so very much. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.